We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast coming at you on a Friday. We are uh, through the 25-game mark of the Knicks season. Knicks, of course, stand at one game under 500. Not quite where we want it to be. Not quite where many of us thought that they would be. But it is indeed where they are. Um they play tonight, of course. Uh, they are in Toronto to finish off their three-game road trip, hopefully with a victory. We'll see. Um, but over the last few days, it's been, I would say, uh, a good deal of doom and gloom out there in the in the uh, conversation amongst, you know, Nick's Twitter and, and such places. So uh, I, I was quite happy as I was recording and uh, after I got done recording today's conversation with um, Jack Huntley of the Strickland, because I always like talking to Jack because Jack, uh, I find his takes to be very grounded, very smart, uh, but also very grounded. And we kind of talk through some of the issues that are facing this team. And uh, I could just say that I, I feel uh, quite a bit better about where things stand than I did before I spoke to Jack. Um, and I think you will enjoy the conversation. Um, I certainly did. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that. So uh, again, Jack Huntley of the Strickland uh, is coming up. Uh, reminder, as always, we will have a post-game show following the Toronto Raptors game tonight, as well as uh, the pregame show that we've been doing, presented by our friends at Prize Picks. Um, and uh, yeah, then we got another game on Sunday, Bucks. After that, Warriors next week, and on and on we go as we slowly get closer to uh, Christmas and, you know, maybe a Miles Turner trade or two. Who knows? We'll talk about that on this episode uh, and much more. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, here's Jack Huntley. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, he's a returning guest. Uh, it's been too long since we've had him on. That is, I'll blame myself. I could blame Andrew, and, and secretly I'm blaming Andrew, but I'll, I'll just blame myself. Myth. What? What? And by the way, me? There, me? Yes, there are. There you can catch his work over at uh, the very best Nick's website that is out there in the in the ether, uh, the Strickland, um, where he is putting out stuff, I believe, for for public consumption and via the Patreon, which is uh, the reason that I subscribe to the Strickland Patreon. Don't tell anybody else who puts out anything for the Patreon for Strickland. Uh, Jack, Jack Huntley, hello, my friend. Hello. Far too kind, as uh, as always. Um, surely you subscribe to hear Schwinn rant with pure rage occasionally. I actually have an alarm set on my phone. <laughs> the minute it, it drops, I have to be notified. I have to, if, if I'm sleeping, I wake up to listen to it. If I'm doing something else, I stop what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very consistent with the rage, and uh, you know he he does it better than anyone else. So no, there's a million million and one reasons to subscribe to the to the Patreon. Um, early plug, but uh, yeah, 
All good. Happy to be here, mate. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for coming on. Uh, as as it is always with you, you, there's the time difference that you're navigating. So you're, I don't know, are you staying up? Is this late? For what time do you usually go to bed on like non- Nah, I mean the the game the game sort of throw me off. So I'm usually I'm usually pretty late, like okay. uh, you know midnight at, at at the earliest usually. I um, when did they not? It's Thursday. They didn't play on Monday. Monday, I laid down with my daughter. It wasn't even her bedtime yet. Um, it was my goodness. It was like six o'clock. It was like six fifteen, <laughs> and I was like, let's lay down. We'll read a book, and um, read. And I started dozing off reading the book it was at 6 15 at night and i'm like this is this is where we're at yeah um it's, un- it's understandable we're in the a tough stretch shall we say right. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a we're in a sh- so it's funny so i said before we started recording uh save it for the pod because you were just telling me how you think in the midst of um when the knicks are not doing so well it's easier to be where you are away from kind of a lot of the noise and i thought to myself like I don't know that it really makes a difference to me, at least it doesn't make a difference. Cause I like, I go about my business every day. I don't really interact with Nick fans in person. I, you know, it's like Twitter interactions. I see people's comments to the newsletter and then, you know, occasional fan inter. Oh, and, and then um on the, you know, post game live streams, like I get that obviously too, but like, I don't know, is it that big of a difference, but why you, you're feeling like it hasn't been that, that bad this season because of where you are. I mean, in part, yes. I mean, this is this is this is part of a deeper question that go, goes beyond my sort of uh, uh, geographic limitations. But I Twitter when the Knicks are losing is just like it's it's next level. <laughs> I can't <laughs> it's do just it. Takes flying. It's just it's absolute carnage. It's it's very. Uh, it makes reactionary look fairly sort of measured. But uh, I had someone real, real quick. I had someone in. It was I, I had it was this like the second quarter of the Pacers game <laughs> when they were and look we we don't have to talk that much about that game but like is it an excuse is it, it whatever they were clearly fucking dead tired um, yeah. say what you want about whether last year's team would have responded differently but like somebody I saw responded to something that I tweeted out with blow it up blow it all up this is inexcusable trade trade everybody I'm like well first of all it's not quite that simple and second of all you know anyway so I, I mean I, I that game that, that, that game I, I thought that was quite interesting that game it was kind of like it was the the contrast between the Pacers who to me I mean I didn't watch it live but I watched it just now it seems like they were quite relieved with the you know the news that came out about them blowing it up, you know, yeah. that kind of lifted some expectations, maybe the weight of their record, how much they yeah. were struggling. They, they played, played fuck very, it. They, they played fuck it basketball. They were like, yeah, yeah. like they were very free. They were kind of, maybe some of them were auditioning. I mean, obviously the Turner piece came out today. Um, whereas with the Knicks, I feel like when they're struggling, you can like see their record. You can, you can, you can sense the sort of, uh, they're searching for that identity, like who they are, and it shows. And they play like it, and they play heavy because of it. Um, and it was an interesting contrast last night because, yeah, I mean, you could tell they were physically tired, but I think they're just tired from the from the expectations as well. That and Fournier was probably shitting himself for uh, twenty four hours previous. But other than Wait, that, <laughs> I don't even know, like. The, the young kids now, they take the word literally to mean something the opposite of which it means. So I don't know if I was like, if I'm, should I be like, Aaron Fournier was literally shitting himself. I don't know. Am I using the young person's definition of literally? Am I using the actual definition of literally? Am I using both? I don't. I think in this case, you could be using both. Using and I, both. I, I saw the post game. It was quite extreme. I, I caught a little bit of the post game and you said at the start, and this is when I knew it was bad. This is when I, I, before, when I knew the result, but I hadn't watched the game. And you said, this Fournier performance was as bad as the worst Peyton, uh, well, not Peyton the, performance from last I, year. I said, it, I, if, I, if I said that, I misspoke. I said it, it was as bad as some of oh, right. the, the I mean, I, I, was, I, I I the worst, <laughs> the worst Peyton performances were, I think, I, up there with like when Cantor would frustrate me. You know that was that that's peak. That, that's peak. He, Cantor, yeah. like some of the later mellow uh, years. I'm trying and uh, some some players that I've surely wiped from my memory. Um, yeah, it, it, I thought. It, well, what did you think? Did you think it was that bad? I mean, it was it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. I mean, okay. 48. 
like, I mean, we can get into it. I don't know where you want to go with topics wise, but Fournier, I'm not, he's, he's very hot and cold. He's sort of symbolic of the team as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, when he's making shots, it's great. When he's not, it's not so great. But then again, I don't know how, you know, what do, what do we expect of him? I mean, if I, at, at the start of the season, if I say to you, what, what's the best version of Evan Fournier? If you close your eyes now and you picture him, I guarantee it looks a lot like Alec Burks right now. Oh, yes. You're 100% right. And, and I was, I thought you were going to go to a different way with that. If you, someone, and this is not me, and I don't think this is you, who've, who's watched a lot of Evan Fournier over the years, it's not like what Evan Fournier is doing is that dissimilar from what he has done in years past. He's a guy who you watch and you're like, well, he's not a bad defender because he has moments where he could actually be, you know, he's on the ball, you know, he's getting into it. He's getting yeah. steals. He's like in the right place, the right time. And then on offense, he has games where he wins your games. Yeah. And exactly. he, he has won those games this year. Yeah. He he has, he's won games, them. Maybe. And if, and if you look at the overall numbers, I mean, probably after last night, they're, a little down, but even last night, it's like you look up, he's what was he? I think he was two for six, right? For Something seven like points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, not not great, but his efficiency is kind of where like this is the player that maybe not this exact version, but this is know, 85% of the player that they should have thought they were getting, which is why I was on an island last year when I was like, I'm happy they didn't trade two second round picks for him, but I digress. Yeah. Um I, I will say I will uh, transition to this because I think this has to do with a bigger picture. Here's my latest theory about this Knicks team. You ready to hear this? I think I, I probably said it on the post game, which okay. is that it's like last season was like baking a cake to me. And it's an exact it's a, it's a family recipe that's been handed down and handed down and handed down. And it's just it's not the most, it's not the craziest thing in the world. It's like grandma's old, whatever. I don't know. Apple pie, maybe, you know, <laughs> and it's and then you get it in the hands of someone like who's like, OK, I can make this better. I know I can make this better. And you, you know, swap out a couple ingredients for a couple different ingredients and then just something about it. It just doesn't taste right. And I feel like they tried to obviously uh, we know who they swapped out, who they swapped in. And like, it's not as simple as. Like Reggie Bullock was a guy. It didn't matter if he was two for 10 or seven for 10. He's always going to give you the same on defense. Swap that out for Fournier. I don't think it's that simple, you know, but, and, you know, if you want to talk about the point guard stuff, that's, too, but it's like something's just, it doesn't add up. And I, I don't, that's the best theory that I have at this point. I don't know if you have one that's better. I, I mean, I think it's a lot of competing factors. The easy, the the sort of natural inclination is to say, okay, let's find the problem, like the individual soul problem. And then when we fix that, everything will be fine. Whereas yes. I think in reality, there's like five or six different things that have sort of in an evil way sort of conspired to uh, sort of doom this early season start. Where Well, let's go through them. It's I mean, the, R- if we, the RJ if- slump. Yeah, that's the that's ju- one. Julius not being like an All NBA player, especially yeah, I mean, from up and down. I mean, uh, definitely up and down, and defensively bad. But defensively bad, by and yeah. large, very very bad. Although I th- actually thought he was okay last night, or as good as anybody else. Um, yeah. And then the, and then the big thing that I think probably is not getting talked about enough, and the, the thing I really wanted to get your opinion on. Um, I'm, I'm going all over the place here, but the centers, like I think at this point for a Thibodeau defense, we kind of know. If you're getting, you know, a top five defensive performance from your center, which he got from all those years in Chicago with Noah, you're going to have a great defense. And even like Gasol, he turned into a really good defender. When you don't get it, like with Cat, you're not going to have that. And like yeah. we saw last season, he had, it didn't matter who he threw out on the floor. We all had our quibbles with no, with, with Nerlens Noel, but he was still pretty good. Mitch, yeah. Mitch, Taj, love Taj. And this season, it just so to me, that's the, maybe the biggest one or the most underrated one. But and but there's others too. I think that's the biggest one. I, and I think, listen, Nerlens, anyone's quibbles of Nerlens is on the offensive end. Defensively, last year, he was an absolute menace. And he was, he was, he was perfect for the scheme. And the scheme needs, needs that center position to have, you know, to, to anchor the whole defense. It's the whole thing. I think it's making Julius look a lot worse because a lot it of is. his errors is, you know, I thought Kemba was. Kemba was bad, but he had. If Mitch was Mitch and Nerlens was Nerlens, Kemba would be starting. I'm, I'm 
I think that would that's, that would be the case. That's or, that's the line of the year right now. Like if, if you wanna if you wanna flip it, if if RJ was hitting shots, I think Kemba was probably starting right now. Not to say that it was a, it was it was an error to bench him, but it was like the easy, quick, obvious move. Like well, you know, no, but they were. Well, uh, the only push I'm not gonna push back, but the only thing I'll say is if RJ was hitting shots and if Kemba kept hitting shots, not necessarily at the rate that he was in the first six games, because that was. Yeah, I mean, but he's still, you know, he was, I think he's 48% on catch and shoot freeze, you know, even now, like, yeah, he, he, one of the big problems with Kemba was that the defense, and this is partly his fault because he's a very small man, but he's also, you know, uh, opposing teams shot, I think it was 41% from free with him on the court and with him off the court, they shot 29%. Like some of that's him. Some of that's just bad luck. That's just stuff. Um, but you're right. I think the center position is by far the biggest issue. Um, and, you know, in terms of addressing that, I don't think Mitch is going to be Mitch consistently for a while. Um, but can I, hold on. Let's talk, can we talk about Mitch? Because Mitch, I feel like, is yeah. the, has been... Other than Frank, who's in his own category, he's been Ooh. the mo- Mitch, Mitch Robinson has been the most discussed Nick player <laughs> over the last several years. I mean, partially because he's been here for a while. Yeah. Um, if you were working, I'm taking. Let's try attempt to take the fandom out of it. If you were working in the Knicks front office, and you're, and it's, you could spotlight well. This year, it's this thing. And this year, it's this thing. And this year, it's this thing. And this year, it's, well, it's the weight gain. And maybe the weight gain had an effect on whatever his early season injury is, which I'm still, quite frankly, not sure what is hurting him right now. Is something hurting? Is it just the weight gain? I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's part of the issue. If you're the front office, like, I'm not, I just, I keep saying, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I blame them for being hesitant about giving this man or four years, you know, and, and whatever amount of money. No, not at all. I think they've made the right decision to wait. I mean, they might end up getting a discount if he stays, if he carries on playing like this anyway. You know, we don't know what he is. He's never been anything consistently. You know, no. his his peaks are incredible. His lows are bad. He's, you know, his availability issues, I think, have been a little bit overplayed. But then the most recent stuff with your feet is, is a bit worrying. Um, you know... I think he's good, but I mean, I'll put it this way. I would be very much trying to acquire Miles Turner. Uh, what are you giving up? I, I know you're not as much into the, into the nitty gritty I mean, of the transactions. I, I was thinking about this because I knew it would, I knew it would come up, but I, I would give up. I haven't talked about it yet. I, I'm know, so any, curious. Any of Mitch, Knox, Noel, whoever the Pacers want. Um, I would give up a first Charlotte pick. And I would give up if they still don't do that. I would give up. Obviously, Kemba's included for salary. Um, I would give up Rokas if they want him. And then if look at you, if they still if they still said no, no respect. I say, I'd say no respect. Hey, what league is he in? He's, isn't he killing it? We've got like so many point guards. Uh, if they still said no, I would give up McBride. Um, and and if they wanted Obi, I draw the line at Obi or IQ. I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm and not. Grimes and Grimes. I'm not giving up Grimes. You really, are you that high on Grimes? Yeah, I really like Grimes. He's really good. I I like Grimes a lot. I I don't. And by the way, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just, I just didn't expect that to come out of your mouth. No, that that's fair. Um, I also am drawing a line with those players. I first of all, I'm not sure if the Pacers want Mitch. Yeah, I don't. I want. They want the picks and whoever the young player is. I, see, to me. Like, if I'm Indiana and I'm dealing Miles Turner, like I'm trying to get the best draft asset I can get. Cause I don't think like, look around the league, what team is giving you a real young pro like a real young player, real young prospect. Like I'm trying to think of someone like it doesn't I make sense. There's much out there. I was reading some of uh, uh leeching off some of Jeremy's knowledge earlier on, uh, on Twitter and, I just don't think the market is going to be all that robust. The team that would scare me is Charlotte, but we control their draft equity for like the next 17 years. So, And, and there's, and I know that there's been some talk about including language to make a first round pick tradable before yeah. uh, whatever it is, 2025 or 26. But like, if you're Charlotte, like you're not giving up, you know, book night. Are you like, 
I think they, I, I think they might see, but I, I, I wouldn't, I, unless I, I don't know, maybe I'm higher on, I just, to me, he's a, he's a, he's has shown flashes already in the season. I haven't watched a whole lot of Charlotte, but like, yeah, yeah. to me, it's like, that's the level of player where it's like, well, are we, is, is miles Turner worth it to us to give up a kid who like, you know, it, is he a rotate? Is he a high level rotation player on a really good team? Like I, I don't like, that's why I, I it, it's probably correct that you said Grimes because Grimes to me profiles as someone like he's going to be the fifth guy on the court, but could he be a starter like on a I'm good team? Good. He's really good. The, the only reason we don't think more of him is because he hasn't, because he hasn't, he hasn't had the opportunity. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think getting Kemper out of the rotation is good. Not because, I mean, he was bad, but he wasn't as bad as he was made out to be. We need to find Grimes some minutes, and I think that opens up minutes for him easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, Turner, I think Turner's good. I think he's tailor-made for Mitch. He, uh, Mitch, he's tailor-made for Tibbs. For, yes. And he's tailor-made for this team. We just, there aren't that many guys who can just, who can protect the room at an elite level, like a truly elite level. Yep. And shoot reasonably well, you know, from free. And I think he's actually a bit underrated, ball in hand, like catching on the short roll, making a play, well, stuff like that. Last night, or as we're recording this last night, I mean, a couple of his moves. And and you and we saw the article. You referenced it before. We saw the article today from the Athletic, in which he basically said, "I'm I, I'm sick and tired of being a guy that gets told yeah. to stand in the corner." He, he's not standing there. He's gone. We- yeah. Oh no, he's he's gone. At which it scare, does scare me a little bit because it's like <laughs> you know uh, you get the flashbacks to like Dwight Howard. I you know I want my touches. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Look, I think one of the nice things about this organization, and we can maybe flip it to something that's good, is they do seem to have a nice currency with their players. And I think they would know what they're getting into with Turner. I, he works out with Julius. I'm sure Julius has had a lot of conversations with him. Yeah. Um, you know, would it be worth it to give him a little share, a little slice of the offense uh, in exchange for what you'd be getting on on the defensive end and as, as well as the occasional floor spacing? Yeah. I, I, how much would it change things? Given what we we're just talking about, about how the center position has been such a, uh, you know, a, an issue. Uh, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's just very important. It's, 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 it's a non-negotiable in Tibbs' system. Like, it's a non-negotiable. If we're going to play this way, you have to have that guy. Otherwise, yeah. you know, 
it just it just doesn't function. It doesn't work. Um, it, this has been one of the bizarre things of like the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we've got like pre-Kemba, post-Kemba. As soon as Kemba was out of the rotation, and we had that nice little stretch. What was it? Atlanta, uh, Chicago, Brooklyn. Atlanta, Chicago, Brooklyn, where they looked and like, like a, a that was high end. You know, competing. And we went to this nice little sw- switching style more, you know, everyone was happy because Burks is big and we can switch like for like, and that's great. But I was thinking, and then, and then the Denver game happened and it was like, oh yeah, you know, if you try and switch like as a scheme, as a default scheme, learning to do that in the middle of a season, it's, it's very <laughs> hard to do, you know. And then you go up against Nikola Jokic, who's maybe having like the best offensive season ever. Like he's he's going. It's not better than last season. It's not better than his own season last year. But other than that, he might be having the best. I think he might be better. You think he's better than last? You know, I put um, him. I I put him. I I think I may have disrespected him to the point. I think I put him fourth in my MVP on the on the last. Skins is in Denver, and then I know it's in Denver. But but he has been. And and the reason that it makes me feel less bad about how he torched the Knicks is because, well, one, we were we were three games into this switching experiment, which is I think it's good. It's important to be that you know that that versatility, but it's very hard, very hard to execute that scheme against elite teams and elite players. Um, and Jokic, like for example, against Miami this year twice. Denver have beaten Miami twice. Obviously, you had the uh, the kerfuffle with uh, uh, the Morris boys. And Wonderful word. In in both games, they had Denver had leads of like 23, 26, their biggest lead. The only team, or one of the only teams at the point of that game, who give up more threes than the Knicks is Miami. Yep. And the Miami switch everything. Like, Jokic lives to just pick apart those little seams and switches. And he did it against a team who are much better than the Knicks. Yeah, it didn't shock me that uh, that the Knicks struggled and were made to look a little bit foolish uh, against maybe the best offensive player in the world, against a defense that he absolutely destroys, even when it's against the best of the best, like Miami. And, um, and then they go into San Antonio and they beat a team that had been playing, honestly, as well as any team in the league over the last couple of weeks. And then you know, get into Indy at 5 a.m. and they look like a team that just got in at 5 a.m. I think that's where you're going with this, right? Is we shouldn't... I mean, I'm just, well, the general thing is, like, we're overreacting, I think, to the, you know, uh, win a game, lose a game, torment that they're giving us at the moment. Because the league is really in a weird oh. flux this year. I mean... You know, you got the Rockets on like seven game winning streaks. OKC are beating people. Like no one's no one's like immune to, you know, laying a dud against a supposedly terrible team. Pistons um, play hard. Magic have beaten us twice. I yeah, mean, and they're getting better. Like Franz is looking really good. Like oh my Cleveland God. are for real. And the thing is, the East, the East is just so much better. I think I looked it up like I think nine of the top 15 teams in the league are from the East. Yeah. And um, and this is the variable that has changed that makes us feel a lot worse about where we are in the standings because, you know, last year, I looked up just before we came on at the all-star break, the Knicks were fourth in the East and they were a game over 500 last year. (laughs) So it's like the East has just got a lot better. And in those sort of more competitive waters, we now look worse when in reality, I think we're playing worse the performances are worse. Yes. We are a better team. The record's the same-ish. But, you know, it makes it feel a lot worse. Whereas I just think there's a lot of good teams in the East, man. You you did a better job of encapsulating what is going on in the last three minutes than I have in the last three weeks. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There, And it makes me think... Because it's clearly a team that it is frustrated at times. I wonder, or has been frustrated at times. The, the Denver thing was just, I mean, they were, like, Tibbs was clearly not happy. Uh, it's yeah. understatement. But at, but at the same time, it does make me feel like, and I've been, I thought about this when I was responding to somebody's comment to the newsletter today about, like, 
somebody was like, basically, I'm, I'm sick of this team already. I, I, you know, it's so different from last year, which I know. I mean, look, I don't, I don't blame anybody for being already sick of watching the team. Like it has been a frustrating team to watch and it has been a frustrating year, but at the same time, like to me, the, the league is always into three different groups. There's the handful or so of teams that have it all figured out and they're going to be in it all year. Yeah. There's the f- next 15 teams, you know, whatever, 10, 15 teams. Yeah. Who were like, okay, whatever night you catch them on, it, it depends. Um, and then there's your bottom five to 10 again, given d- depending on the given year who are usually this year, it's a little bit funkier than that. What I can say is after all the years of watching the team that we root for be in that last group, I'm much happier that they're in the group that they're in now, which, yeah. and are maybe a runaway from getting back to what they were last year, which again was not a top five team, but they were one of the uh, 10 or so teams in the NBA. They're like, Oh, they know what they're doing. Any yeah. night they go out there, it's, it's, you, you know what you're going to get. And I think the fact that they've fallen from that perch is what has people so frustrated. I think they can get back to it. I, I do think it might take a miles Turner trade. Um, Man, I'm talking myself into. I I, can't, I'm, I don't want to give up an unprotected first. I no, think that's. I mean, you give up the Charlotte pick. Uh, here's my trade. It's the Charlotte pick. It's the Dallas pick, Oof. and and then the the salary. I just don't know if that's if that's going to be enough. Like I, if I'm in if I'm Indiana, can I? I think I could get. I think I could get a better first somewhere. A little bit, little bit of Rokas in there. If you're Kevin Pritchard, you're like really you're really Rokas. selling hard on the Rokas, aren't you there? I, I want Emmanuel quickly to be our point guard for the next 400 years. I just can't see Rokas playing. I'm not, you know, he, I love the guy. He's great. He's having a great season. But if it's not I, quickly, I, I, want it, I want McBride to get a shot. Rokas is just, we have, we need to consolidate at some point. I know. We have a lot of players. And I mean, you know, it, it's, 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 it's easy to love a guy who's just this like exotic you know, crafty point. <laughs> he guy. Lives, he's he's over there, and it's wonderful. Could, Who? What will he be? But can we still send them Luca Vildoza? Maybe. But we have to. We have to. Ah, oh, Luca. I miss Luca. Him. We, we have to give you. up. We have to give up something for the guy if we're going to get him. No, um, I, I I agree with that. There, um, because at, you know he has a year left on his deal after this, obviously, and they're not. And it's at this point, it's a good number. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so th- there's no rush on their part. Um, I want to hit a couple other things before I let you go. Um, yeah. You mentioned Randall. His defense has not been good. I think the defense has been more. It's always been, it's always going to be hit or miss. It's been, it's been more hit than it was hit at the beginning of the year. I still think it's probably more missed than hit. Um, yeah. I'm not worried about him per se. I, I, I think there are a lot of people that are out on him. Um, I feel like he's starting to kind of find himself. I, I just, he's kind of going through it right now. I'm, I'm, are you, are you like worried about him? Where, where are you at on Julius? I'm not worried. It's just, it's just a, a recalibration of, of who he is. Like, you know, he's, he's at the moment, he's paid as the 57th highest paid player in the league. You know, next year it's going to be 48 or something. The version of Julius Randall that we're seeing now where he's like or at the start of the season at least where it's very iso heavy we know what that is and we know what the ceiling of that is you know he is going to have to sharpen the dodgy points of his game if he wants to be better if he if he wants to be the guy that's the Knicks number one guy and the Knicks are better than they were last year if this is the round we're going to get and this is how he's going to play we're going to be a 41-ish win team Like, I don't think, you know, he can't have a Kevin Durant shot diet and, you know, be right up there um, with the Knicks in in the the Eastern Conference standards. It's just not going to happen. I'm I'm fine with him finding his feet, but the most infuriating thing is I don't think I've ever seen a player whose offense dictates the rest of their game more than Julius Randle. Like, and that's something that is, is nothing to do with his skill set, his the way he's utilized on offense. It's just like a it's a mental thing and it's and it's a habit that like is just it's it's the most frustrating thing to watch uh, about this Knicks team. And is it any coincidence that he had 
without question, his best defensive year of his career last year during a year when more often than not, he was feeling great before the game and he came out of the game <laughs> feeling pretty good, you know? Yeah. And, uh, because- and he had a back line that he can lean on that, uh, you know, that um, if not made him look good, then at least propped him up so that he could, he, he could, he could display the best parts of his defense. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a crazy guy. Like he's a maddening player. His, his his demeanor is is sort of like it seeps through the TV screen. Like you can't, and it, and it must having that as your leader is is problematic. Well, right? I think I think the players. I the one thing I think is our saving grace or part of our saving grace is I think the veteran, the other veterans on this team, like guys like Alec Burks, guys like Derek Rose, guys like Taj Gibson, yeah. even I. You know, a guy like R.J. Barrett, like R.J. Barrett's 21 going on 31 in some ways, I think, in terms of how he kind of goes about his business. Like, I don't think they. I don't say they don't mind it, but like that it doesn't it's affect not, them as much. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't affect them as much. And by by def, by extension, because those guys are respected. I'm talking specifically Rose, Taj, you know, maybe, you know, Burks a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't seep into the rest of the locker room. Um, I wonder though, you know, in the, in the front office and the people that make decisions for this team, we, we, these are not stupid people. Um, and we, we know what the goals are and it's just interesting to me because he was at his best last year, not only on the floor, but in the respects that you're talking about Mm -hmm. and they gave him, you know, the contract that they gave him. And I, I do agree because of where he ranks in the league hierarchy and because of the things that he could do. It doesn't, it hasn't suddenly morphed into a bad deal, Yeah. but you know, I also don't know how many other teams in the league would be like, Ooh, we, wait, hold on. We can get Julius Randall. What do we have to give? You know, I don't, Oh, I think they would. You do. He's, okay. He's, May- he's a number two with a one number one's workload. It's, and he's we've, look- and we've never seen him function as a true, no, we've seen him function as like a number, whatever he was in, his last year yeah. in LA and his, his only year in New Orleans. Yeah. Which is, the I don't think he is, wants to go back to that. Yeah. The question is how, uh, if that happens, how will he adjust? And well, if I, I mean, if I'm opposing front office, I'm not saying the Knicks are even thinking, but I'm mean, just, I'm, I'm playing this out to its logical conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Like if the Knicks are watching this and be like, well, this is the leader of our team yeah. and this, and, and, and it sure seems like we're like ebbing and flowing with his personality. If they had to, if they started to have those notions, I just, you know, again, playing out the theoretical exercise, how many teams would would have concerns about whether or not he could easily blend into, you know, I think the number is just too good. The number is too good for who, for how good of a player he is. You know, Um, I don't disagree. It's, it's a great contract, but that, I mean, you know, I don't know whether, uh, where you plan to go next, but that sort of bleeds into the next, the question, the big question I have, which is, you know, what is the the best starting lineup for this team? That's a good think, place to end. I think there's another adjustment here, and where you're talking there about the type of players that um, uh, do not get affected when Randall is not playing well, the Roses and the Burkses, whose disposition is pretty steady. You know, they're vets. Um, I think you need to put. Burke's in the starting lineup. Keep him in the starting lineup. I agree. And you need to put one of Rose or Quickly in there. And for me, it's Quickly. Like, Tibbs knows this. He's, he's already done it. He's already decided. If you look at the fourth quarter minutes, the two highest uh, Knicks are Burks and Quickly. And it's not close. But, like, but that's why he, in my mind, that's why he doesn't start. I, th- I Again, just hear quickly. me out. Yes, exactly. Because Burks, since he's been in the start, I, I, I haven't checked, but I would assuming if he's not leading the league in minutes since he started starting yeah. games, he's damn close. And I think Burks feels okay about trotting Burks out there for 38, 39 minutes a game. Quickly is a smaller guard. And I just wonder, because Tibbs, as you are pointing out, and as is obvious to me as well, knows he needs to have this fucking guy on the floor to close games when it's <laughs> most important and close halves and all that. Is that part of why he's he's trepidatious about putting him in the starting line? To me, I agree with you. 
I would probably skew Rose, although talk about a guy who doesn't look like he play, I mean, Rose, look at his last four years now, this year and the last three years in terms of minutes per game. It's going down each year. And like he could say whatever he wants. He's a guy that shouldn't be playing probably more than 20, 22 minutes a game right now. That's so I don't. Even if he starts, I think they both give you different things if they're they starting. Do. But we both agree that, you know, there's two point guards. <laughs> Neither of them are starting at point guard. Can we, can, can, like, one of them is our best point guard. Can we play the best point guard? You know, <laughs> That's, I know fair. That, That's fair. That's uh, fair. Alec Burks is our best two guard, has been all year. Like, he's, he's, he's better than Fournier. He has been, you know, you know, until he proves otherwise, there's not a single thing that Fournier has done better than Alec Burks this year. Um, it's, it's he cool. should, he should start at the two play a point guard at the one. If it's quickly, I think you get a very necessary jolt in terms of pace and urgency and, you know, unwaverable sort of activity that Randall really needs. Cause one of the big problems of the starting lineup is the, the not necessarily pace, but the, the length of a possession and, and and how much they pack into a possession is is not enough. Like it's slow, it's stodgy, it's stagnant. I think we're twenty sixth in uh, length of offensive possession, and we're not good enough to do that. You know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the benefit you get from quickly, n- not least the the defense on top of that as well. But with Rose, it goes back to the fact that I think Randall defers to Rose in a way that he doesn't defer to anyone else on the roster. In a that's one hundred percent true. And that's what you're going to get from Rose on top of the fact that he is an actual point guard. He's been there. He's done it. You get that composure. I am absolutely dreading what Toronto is going to do to Alec Burks as a point guard. If you saw Brogdon pressuring up last night. Well, and, and that's what stood out. That's the other thing that stood out to me in the game is you can't have these possessions where you don't initiate your action until exactly fucking 11 seconds left in the <laughs> clock or whatever it is. It's crazy. Um, it, it it is, and it was noticeable, and you know, teams are smart, and the book will be out, and it, it is what it is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Moving Fournier to the bench to play alongside Obi. I mean, me or you could play alongside Obi and probably look pretty good. Um, I'd what be a, in awe. I'd be crying tears of joy. What a what a what a gem of a human being. Um, <laughs> God love him. Uh, just brings it puts a smile on my face. Exactly. Um, yes, <laughs> twenty minutes last night. By the way, uh, I believe it was seven with Randall. That's all I want. That's give me that. That's 20 fine. minutes a game. Yeah. It's five to seven with Ra- that. Sign me up. Um, so Fournier would go alongside Obi. We'll put the center discussion to the side for the moment. And um, Grimes, Grimes. Pre- Grimes, presumably. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Grimes and Obi bookending Fournier. And then either quickly or, or Rose. So in a, in a, in a weird sort of a quirky Tech strategical twist. We play our point guards at point guard, our two guards at two guard. <laughs> no. And, on, and onwards and upwards. You're going it's, backwards. We I'm were just, at 3D. I'm, you're going, I'm we were at 3D chess, and now you're going back to <laughs> the, you know, the old, just the regular chess. It's a wild theory. It is wild. Um, yeah, I, I, I wonder again, it, it all comes back to usually contracts and things of that nature. And I just wonder, it, I'd be lying if I said the, the Fournier, the two, two more, two more fully, obviously the, the final year is not a guaranteed year. Um, so the two more years at that number, but like, look, he, he came off the bench at the end of the year in, in Boston and 
he was still a, a, a marketable please. I personally, I'm not that hung up on the contract number because I think if and when the day comes where they will trade him, it's going to be in a big package for a star. I, I don't think you know it's it, him being included in that deal is going to be about the number or specifically what type of player he's going to be. I think that's going to be a you know a type of star trade and and we don't have to talk about that right now. Um, I like it. I like the idea. Um, we'll see if Tibbs goes to it. Uh, I mean, look, if they continue being inconsistent, you know, he's not going to just stand by the ways. Hey, here's the, the, the most encouraging thing for me about this next season. And, and, and we'll finish up on this. This is Tibbs third head coaching job. He is, he's over 60, right? He's, what is he? Probably 62. I don't know. I don't know whatever he is. Timeless. He is timeless. <laughs> I, I think he has to know. This is, if not his last shot, his last best shot. And I think, and again, this could be for better and this could be for worse. But if the intention is to have a basketball team that wins basketball games, I I think he will, I'm encouraged by the fact that he is our coach because I think he will do everything in his power to try to win games. And I think anything, if anyone out there is listening to be like, well, what the fuck? Then why is why did he do X Y and Z? Which is clearly, I think he's been trying to balance competing interests over, and even with the Peyton thing, I think there was more to that. I, I will always stand by that. Um, but you know, I'm encouraged by that fact. I think he will, if there is a way to figure it out, he will figure it out. And it's all about when he feels he needs to push, you know, X button or Y button or you know. Yeah, I mean, he's a good coach. He's, you know, it's, uh, I have no doubts whatsoever about him being a good coach. He He's not afraid to make the decisions. You know, he gave Kemba the Austin Rivers treatment. Like, <laughs> that's pretty unexpected. And I think he will make the, whatever choice he he feels, uh, it gives, a, gives the team the best chance to win. And Fournier is like, you know, just because he's the Knicks' second highest paid player doesn't mean he's a, High, highly paid player in the context of the league. You know, he's on the Eric Bledsoe money. He's, you know, he's, 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 he can go to the bench and be a six man. I think he will do him good. I think he'll make some shots. I, I, uh, I don't think he would mind it um, too, too much. Um, you know, he still has to live in New York and get paid a nice sum of money to do so. Yeah. So what's, Man, what's, what's, what's going on with that? What do you want? <laughs> All right. Um, this has been great. I, I, I say this, I, I could, I could talk to you for hours. Um, before I let you go though, can you tell the fine folks at home here in the States and around the world, uh, as I, I know we do have a lot of international listeners where they could find you and um, your fantastic stuff. Uh, thank you um, uh, again and it's, uh, it's over at the Strickland and um, yeah so I do some stuff that's uh, available to everyone and then a bi-weekly piece on the Patreon um, with Matthew Miranda the great Matthew Miranda doing the other bi-weekly piece um, yeah check it out uh, on Twitter um, at by Jack Huntley and uh, yeah all good thanks for having me I don't think the Knicks' struggles are as bad as we're making them out to be in the moment. You know, I'll just give this little tip to your listeners. You know, if you're feeling really, really bad, just go back into the newsletter. This is something I've started doing and read a post from the same date, like on a previous season. It's very, it's very cathartic because the stuff that we were talking about a couple of years ago is, is very distressing. <laughs> I, again, it was not that long ago where I was going on doing a post game pod where it was like, there was a moment in the second quarter where Frank, he, he was on the three point line and he saw a guy driving and he went and he, he dug, he, he, he put his hand into the, to try to prevent the drive. 4,000 words later, you know, we're there. There's, there's, you wrote a sentence. Uh, I, I looked at it yesterday. I was like, you wrote a sentence. Uh, Austin Rivers just started to etch his name into Nick's law, Nick's history or Nick's law or something, and then I, you know, everything we're feeling now is a privileged frustration. That was you know? that was the thing, a privileged uh, frustration. I like that. I think that Andrew, um, <laughs> do me a favor, make that the name of the pod. Uh, a privileged frustration featuring Jack Huntley. Okay, this was great, everybody out there. Um, I, I'm sure I've said this uh, when you've been on before. I'll say it again. Um, you. Your writing is um, the best that there is on the Knicks, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I love reading it. Again, it gets me to pay. What am I paying? $9 a month? Um, worth every penny. 
um, because it, it is that good. You're a rising talent, and I um, look forward to the day when you're too busy to do this podcast anymore. <laughs> I will just say that. I mean, obviously, yeah, again, thank you too much. Uh, but I also look forward to that day, uh, if it happens. <laughs> so we'll uh, both look forward to it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you go, mate. I know you've got loads of family stuff to do. All right. but, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure, as always. Okay. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jack. Jack's great. Um, if you're not already reading his stuff um, on the Strickland, if you're not already following him on Twitter, uh, do yourself a favor and change that. Uh, he is a, as I just said, rising star in the world of Nick's content creation. Uh, I, I love to read his writing. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed um, my conversation with him. Uh, as always, if you enjoy the show, feel free to drop a rating or a review. If you're not already subscribed, please do so. We appreciate everybody who helps support us over here. And uh, yeah, quick shameless plug for our Patreon, uh, Nick's Film School Patreon. We actually just... Um, well, tonight we are going to kick off our relationship with uh, Playback, which is a company that allows us to watch games live uh, with folks at home. Uh, so we watch we the game streams. I watch the game. You watch me watching the game. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, green room, call people up on stage for a bit and do whatever. It's a really cool platform. Uh, we are excited to get into that. And uh, I mentioned that with, with the Patreon because right now it's um, a Patreon-only um, perk. Uh, and it's actually probably going to stay that way moving forward. So if you want to get in on the, on the playback action, uh, feel free to uh, subscribe to the Patreon and uh, you, will, you will get in on that. Uh, I think that's it. Um... Hope everybody has a great weekend. Hope the Knicks win tonight. I'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.